Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode, the um, the decade, the That's tenth right. episode That's right. of Meaty Medicine. Mm. We've made it um, after another <laughs> three month hiatus, <laughs> but we're back. We're back and better than ever after three months of intensive clinical learning. <laughs> we're here in a cold night in Ballarat. Sipping our gin and tonics. <laughs> Diet tonic water, mind you. That's right. Got to keep trim. That's right. <laughs> um, but I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I am, fortunately for you, I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, Dwayne Quadros. How are you going, Dwayne? It, it, feels, like, it feels like we're an old married couple. <laughs> and, and we were always in love. But the fire had gone. Oh, man. You know, and the and distance between the us. The distance between mm. us has never, physically, has never been closer. Mm. But emotionally mm. um, and, and in a podcast world, uh, <laughs> sexually, <laughs> has never been so far. Excuse me. There are my parents <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it, has been, it has been a long time. Mm. And, I think, and I think what we need to stop doing is promising our listeners that we will be prompt mm. in our in our uh, in our recording of successive True. successive things because I think there's nothing worse in life than than being a build ups mm. you know and there's a, there's a famous cartoon called Bob the Builder mm. and Bob the Builder goes I don't know if it was big in in Australia oh it was massive um, oh there we go so Bob the Builder you know just goes around and and just builds stuff you know and builds. <laughs> Builds communities, builds relationships, you know, but I think what we've turned into is Bob the Build Ups, you know, because we keep building ourselves up, we keep hyping this up, Promising and then, too much. you know, we have we have the follow-through of, of just, just poor, you know, mm. but... But, ladies and gentlemen, we're right. We made it to episode 10. Caven mm. didn't introduce himself. The oh, prince, true. The Prince of Perth. The mm. Prince of Perth. He is... Let me just paint you guys a picture. It is a cold night in Ballarat on, on a Friday night. Um, it's about maybe three degrees outside. But Caven has um, prioritized style over just general, just general warmth. I'm here in a $2 shirt and a hoodie. <laughs> that has helped me brave the New Zealand winters. Meanwhile, Caven sits reclined, uh, very, very, uh, very, you know, in honour of his of his varied Middle Eastern Iranian background. Uh, four shirt buttons, three of them unbuttoned, very low, and uh, he's just an absolute figure. Um, and it's great to be here with you tonight. Oh, wait, do we want to give a few shout-outs? Oh, yes. So in the past three months, we have accumulated a few shout-outs. That's so right. Just quickly rattle through, I think, yeah. two of them. Yeah, um, at least. Yeah, the first is to Shabs, yes. our clinical sub-dean of the Ballarat Clinical School, mm. our school, mm. who mm. we have somehow convinced to That's listen right. to this podcast. That's right. It was, it, was, it was a Thursday before Jesus was crucified. Actually, it was Holy mm. Thursday, and I think I think she caught sight of my cross, and she thought it's a tough time for this guy. And I mentioned the podcast, and she wrote it down on her iPhone to mm. have a listen to it. Mm. So I think this could go one of two ways: mm. is that we either gain a following of esteemed medical professionals, or I have to return to nursing <laughs> and maybe New Zealand. 
because um, thus is the thus is the immigration system of Australia, where as soon as they realise the Kiwis don't contribute anymore, mm. you kick us back over. So Shabs, uh, love your work, mm. big fan. Uh, we've only had one class with them. Funnily enough, today's topic was covered in that class. Wow, you know, and so I think it's uh, real recognises real, you mm. know, and, and we just want to we just want to give Shabs a big mm. shout out. This is a good litmus test to see if oh, she yeah. was just diplomatically retreating mm. from that mm. conversation with you. That's right. Or if she actually is going to listen to the podcast. This is true. So this is true. We'll see so what happens. We'll and know. the second shout out. Oh, right? look, we want to we want to shout out Sam Owa. <laughs> Sam Owa. The, the prince of... The prince of Nigeria. <laughs> uh, you know, he's as real as the Nigerian prince gets, but Sam <laughs> is a very dedicated medical student. Mm. He's built like a brick shit house. he is. <laughs> 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 But Sam, Sam is on a date tonight. Sam's on a date tonight, and we're special hoping woman. that's right. A special, very lucky woman, a new woman, in a his new life. woman, a new woman, and we'll uh, give you some updates next. That's episode right. In six months. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So we're wishing Sam is on route from Ballarat to Melbourne mm. um, for a rooftop uh, date tonight. Mm. You know, so he's going to be braving the cold, but somehow wow. given his. Swagger, swag, mm. something we all got. Mm. Thank you, Alex Todang. Mm. Um, I think, I think he's not going to worry about keeping warm tonight. He's oh. a great soul, and he's a man of Jesus, <laughs> and he's going to be great. So we've got to give a shout out to Sam. Mm. Well. Yes, I'm sure yeah. he will have a great time tonight. So, enough of the shout outs to mm. our single digits. Yes, following. That's right. Um, let's talk about peptic ulcers. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what right. else would we want to be doing no. on a Friday night? No. Cracking no. out the gin and That's talking it. about peptic ulcers. That's it. Um, so, Dwayne, yeah. I'm just going to throw you in the deep end as I always do. Yes, mate. What, put that gin and tonic down. <laughs> <laughs> what is a peptic ulcer? Mate, a peptic You know what, mate? I reckon, I reckon in the pantheon of pathologies, mm. I don't think enough respect is given to the peptic ulcer. <laughs> Go on. Do you know? Well, the reason why I think this is that most of the time people think, oh, peptic ulcer, you're just stressy and you've got a soft stomach. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I think mm. I used to I used to think that was the case. Mm. And and um, But a peptic ulcer, as it turns out, and, and I'm on my surgical mm. uh, rotation oh, at yeah. the moment. You're in the emergency department. I am in the aren't emergency you, department. And, and, and I think what's going to surprise us how many presentations happen either directly or indirectly because of peptic ulcers, mm. um, you know, and, and whether whether it's the thing of it's just this gnawing pain or whether it's got to the stage where there's actually been a proper erosion mm. of this ulcer. But long story short, Kevin, the peptic ulcer <laughs> is a defect, is a defect in the mucosa, um, the lining of the stomach or the first part of your small intestine, right. the, the, okay. the, the duodenum. So uh, when you say mucosa, I think maybe we'll just do a quick recap. Of the, um, yes. just the wall of yes, the gastrointestinal sir. tract. Good man. So it's, Good um, man. oh God, I was going, coming in hot here and you have. I realized I don't really remember. You've come, in, <laughs> you've come in so hot. Like you, you filled the barbecue gas and then you real and you bought the onions and you bought the mushrooms and you bought everything. We've got no meat. We've got no, no okay, meat. Okay. I, I remember. Okay. So we've got the mucosa, which yeah. is the innermost layer. Yes, sir. Um, I think it secretes a few things, which yeah. we'll get to later. Yeah. Then, is it the muscularis mucosa? I think so. I think, which I is think like so. a little bit of muscle in there. Yeah. Um, and then something that's under it. 
Anyway, the point is the wall of the intestine has the layers. Yeah. The mucosa is the innermost layer. Yeah. And it becomes, it's defined as a peptic ulcer. Yeah. When basically a massive chunk yeah. of that mucosa is I've actually got the away. linings of the muc- of, of the stuff. If you want me to. Go on. If you want me to come. Enlighten me. Right. So you've got the mucosa. Okay. You're totally right. <laughs> Under that is the submucosa. Oh, <laughs> Yep, as, yeah, as right. it would be. And then's the muscle layer. <laughs> that would make sense. That's right. So yeah. the muscle layer, because there's no point having the muscle layer above the submucosa. Yeah. So I think because right. it's a sort of anchor. And then the last part is the serosa. So that serosa mm. sort of oh, like that outermost sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost, I would say, continuous with what you would say would be the visceral. Yeah. Peritoneum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the peritoneum yeah. is that. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. That's right. Yeah, that probably I, another one that we don't know about. Yes, one that I definitely <laughs> do not want to have. Yeah, so we've got mucosa, submucosa, <laughs> muscularis mucosa, mucosa, and serosa. Beautiful. All right. MSMS. Yeah. Oh, MSMS. There we go. There we go. Memory devices on the fly. There we go. Anyway, we've belabored this point much too much. Yes. With my distinct lack of knowledge on the wall <laughs> of the GI tract. But, so, it's an ulceration. Mm, you know, um, mm, mm. you're losing mucosal cells and you got a, you got a hole. Yep. Kind of. Yep. Sorry, guys, we're back. Just had some technical difficulties because we're using a aged macbook pro yep. to record this yep. um yeah i think Dwayne was in the middle of i think i think where we left it was caveman described an ulcer as a whole in other words an ulcer and i was just wondering that he, had he done that thing that you're told to when you're growing up writing english that you can't use you can't define a word by using the word itself so i think it's a bit like saying define a bridge a bridge is a wooden structure that can form a bridge you know mm-hmm. and but that being said Whilst whilst the tape cut out, we were wondering: Do we want to talk about the epidemiology? Yeah, I and think I think, I think there's a lot of meat there because mm. we look, ladies and gentlemen. You may think that we pluck out these topics by random allocation, and mm. you would be right. <laughs> but we really want to make our topics topical. You know, we want to make mm. it relevant. I nearly did it. Yeah, I, nearly I was did just it. thinking I nearly about did it. Mm. So let's talk about the epidemiology, uh, Caven, in yeah. terms of how common are peptic ulcers. Well, I've got written here there are more than 6 million cases annually in the United States. Yeah. Yep. That really mean, doesn't mean a lot to no, me, but I think no. it happens quite a lot. It is. Um, what I think is important is do, we talked about – did we talk about the peptic ulcers that can be – No, re- no, oh, we didn't. no. Okay, yeah. well, we'll do that now. Yeah. Peptic ulcer, this is an important little bit of terminology, yep. Yep. refers to <laughs> – ulceration in either the duodenum or the stomach yes so peptic they both come under peptic ulcer Mm. and there can be gastric ulcers or duodenal ulcers they both come under that name just because they're you know very similar situation duodenum's right like the first part of the gi tract after the stomach um but the just with the epidemiology i think something to keep in mind is just that duodenal ulcers are three times more common than gastric mm. ulcers mm. and duodenal ulcers also tend to happen like in younger. Okay. So if it's like a younger patient, definitely you're thinking sure. this sure. is probably duodenal. Sure. Um, sure. Who does it affect more often? A male, female? What's the, is uh, there any, 
Is there any sort of bias there? I, I think it's quite progressive. I think there's no <laughs> gender inequality Very between good. who can get a gastric duty. Good. Good. So, yeah. good, good, good. Um, let's move on. Yes, let's sir. move on. I think we need to make up some time. That's it. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Just what we... Yeah, um... Moving on, with this gin's hitting me. <laughs> it has hit you. Well, let's talk about some causes. Then. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about some causes, right? So, there, there, there are, like many things, because another thing that amazes me with the gastrointestinal system mm. is how it can seem really simple, but at the same time, it's such a complex situation. Yeah. You know, it's more than just a tubing from your mouth to your anus. You know, like it's just a... I it, mean, it, it is, but it also isn't. What you do know? you mean? And, I mean, and, and beware that we may have gastroenterologists listening to us. So before you just go and poo-poo, no pun intended, all over their careers, be careful with what you well, want Well, at say. the end of the day, from our embryological studies, it's yep. nothing more than the gut tube, you know, yeah. that's yeah. embellished itself, you know. Well, but, um, there we go. Well, but okay, thank you. And just like that, we've lost any hope of either of us getting into gastrointestinal training. But the two main contributing factors, look, there are many factors for many pathologies in the yeah. human body, but the two main things that we're going to focus on because they're, they're, you know, the main contributing factors here are that you have an infection with something called Helicobacter pylori, mm. okay? Helicobacter pylori. We're going to say H. pylori because mm. as the gin hits you and as my Indian accent arises out of my suppression of it, we're just going to lose sight of how to say helicobacter. Let's yeah, just say H. H pylori. pylori. So H. pylori infection mm. is one risk factor and long-term use of NSAIDs, non-steroidal mm. anti-inflammatory drugs. This is the, like, name a more iconic duo. Correct. No thanks. Like, Correct. If you, these this are is this is your MJ and Scotty Pippen. <laughs> this is your peanut butter and jelly. Well, yeah. I, or maybe we're getting a bit too liberal with the analogies because mm. they don't work together, right? You like no. have one or the other. That's right. So I'm trying to think of a appropriate analogy. Mm. But the idea is these are the two main causes. Correct. Correct. Um, H. pylori, so a bacterial infection. Correct. Or long-term use of NSAIDs. That's right. So, I mean, there are, you know, there are other causes. Yeah. But yep. these are the big, this is the meat. We Correct. love the meat. Well, that's it. We ain't here for sizzle. <laughs> We're here for substance. Um, that's right. But, oh, uh, this is the, you know, this is the thing all the lecturers love to talk about, mm, you know, mm. how H. pylori was discovered. Do you oh, remember this? mate, this is more of a you story than me because you brought this up today. <laughs> When you were like, oh, let me name some generic name and then say H. pylori. So is, is this your... Wait, yeah, this is yeah. Barry... Oh, is it Barry Marshall? I really hope I've gotten that I think, right. I think... Do you want to make... Yeah, because he's a, he's like the Nobel Prize winner who is from Perth. He's, he's from Perth. Mm. And because it was only till quite recently... Barry Marshall. Yeah, Barry, Barry Marshall, Marshall and Robin Warren. And yeah, let's not forget Robin. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, like you were saying, mm. everyone used to think, I believe, that yeah. peptic ulcers, I think they can be caused by stress. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. no one, like, really knew what was going on. Yeah. And I think because H. pylori is quite an invasive mm. little, you know, uh, bacteria, yeah. it's very hard to detect sure. using traditional methods. Sure. Um, it, the kind of prevailing thought amongst mm. the gastroenterology community yep. was that it was ridiculous. Which, who we have may or may not have anger. <laughs> but yes. Was that um, it was ridiculous to suggest that 
a bacterial infection could cause yep. gastritis and yep. then a peptic ulcer. Yeah. Um, but um, Barry Marshall, mm. um, I don't. I think it was such that he couldn't get anyone to actually like, experiment yep. on. So yep. he actually swallowed a set, like H. pylori himself oh, and infected wow. himself, and then treated himself with antibiotics to Jeez. prove Jeez. that his yeah peptic That's ulcer. Commitment. Yeah, That's so it's an insane story. Mad really. respect to Barry. Yeah. And yeah, Robin. Yeah, Barry, Barry and Robin. Robin. I don't know if Robin also he's, ate the H. Pylori. He's, he's on the picture. He's on <laughs> he the picture on in. the Google, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm more of a Barry Marshall fan Fair myself. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, and then the other cause is the ancestors. So, so just for a bit of context, uh, H. pylori infection associated with about 40 to 70% Okay. Of these duodenal ulcers, yeah, and about twenty-four, so about a quarter to a half of gastric ulcers. Right. So there's a, there's a fair connection, yeah, over yeah. there. Mm. And in terms of in terms of the chronic NSAID use, um, it's a fourfold risk of of developing mm. uh, peptic ulcers. And just to clarify, when we say NSAIDs, yeah. are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory mm. drugs. So mm. that's your ibuprofen, correct? correct. Um, and you know there are a range of reasons people yeah. might be eating NSAIDs, yeah. Um, for example, there was a guy in ED the mm. other day who had mm. this really hectic chronic back pain sure. um, because he'd been in an accident a few years yep. ago and yep. the back is just a nightmare sure. in terms sure. of recovery and he yeah. had this chronic pain. So he'd just been on the end since yeah, 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 yeah. And um, for reasons we'll discuss, that yes. causes uh, gastritis, yep. inflammation of the stomach, yep. and if you still keep going, it'll yep. cause that ulcer. So Great. maybe we should get into the pathophysiology. I think so. Why. I think so. And before, as we as we go to okay. that, yeah, yeah. like we always say, nothing happens in isolation. Um, so there are other factors. You know. And welcome back to <laughs> Meaty Medicine, take three. This is the three-part <laughs> series on the peptic ulcer disease. Um, I think Dwayne is just finishing off some other. Yeah, players. yeah. So we so we mentioned that you know other things, associated features, risk features. Yeah. Um, we've got your alcohol. We've got your smoking. We've got caffeine. Yeah. Um, well, people find that if your diet lacks fruit and veg, um, you know, a lot of vitamin A stuff, it can sort of go and lean towards, if you don't have those things in your diet, can lean towards increasing your risk. Yeah. But really it is about often, the if we're talking about the meat, it's the H. pylori and it's the NSAIDs. And what yeah. we've got to remember with this disease, is, uh, this pathology, is that it is a combination of normal gastric physiology yeah. uh, and then also, so you need to understand that and then also how H. pylori and NSAIDs um, I guess derange that and affect mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. So if we dive into the pathophys, yeah. like Dwayne just said, you should really think about the stomach. Well, the way I think about it is kind of like a castle wall. Mm. So you have defenders on the wall protecting the wall, yeah. and then you have a bunch of attackers trying to break down the wall. And that's basically what's happening at the level of your gut lining. So there are kind of a few big players um, that are important. So the first ones are the parietal cells mm. that are in your gut mucosa, um, just on that lining. And they, I think they're mainly in the stomach. Yeah. And yeah. they 
um, secrete hydrochloric acid. Sure. So these are one of the things that is going to be damaging to your gut mm. walls. So it's one of the attackers. Yeah. So obviously it's there to break down the food. Sure. Um, like it's an important, like it's meant to be there. Yeah. But um, it also, because it's really acidic, um, is going to be doing damage to your sure. gut. And that's why I think our gut has such a high turnover mm. cell epithelium. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Or that's whatever. right. Yeah. Um, so... It's stimulated by certain things. It's inhibited by certain things, yep. these parietal cells. Yep. But I think the things we should acknowledge is that their action is inhibited by both prostaglandins yes. and somatostatin. Yep. So those are the big yep. two. Yep. And maybe we'll talk about why mm. that's important later. Mm. Mm. But just parietal cells, if you want to remember they're secreting acid, I usually think so parietal, I think parietes. Which is kind of a niche word, but it's a beautiful it's word. Kind of a good insult. It's a good word. Yeah, you are a pariah. Yeah, it's quite visceral. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. like the visceral goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well done. So the pariah. A pariah is somebody who's like rejected by their community. Yeah. So you know, like if you have an acidic person in your friend group, yeah. like someone who's a bit toxic, bit yeah. doing damage to mm. all your mates, you mm. reject them. You kick them out of your friends group, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's why I think like parietal cells, pariah, like yeah. acidic kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, do you know of any other major players I do. in the gut? I do. And mm. I really want to stress the fact that uh, prostaglandins, that's a big word mm. to hold on to because – because the next type of cells that I want to talk about are mucosal cells mm. and hold on to your chairs and to your tables because <laughs> the mucosal cells secrete mucus. <laughs> Shattering. Get out. Um, I know. I know. I would, but it's freezing. Um, they secrete protective mucus. Uh, and like Caven said is that we sort of take from, oh, yeah, hydrochloric acid is there to break stuff down, all that. But it is a corrosive, corrosive thing, mm. um, a corrosive. And I remember in the lab as well, you know, doing chemistry in high school. Mm. Um, I mean, we were, we were, we were ballers on hydrochloric acid. Yeah. That was dangerous. Yeah. That was, I mean, class was called off if someone knocked over a beaker of hydrochloric <laughs> acid. But if you can imagine that at whatever concentration in your stomach, mm. you've got the mucosal cells pumping out the secretory protective mucus, mm. um, to protect your mucosa, mm. which we now know is one of four linings yeah. in, the, in the GI wall. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and what we want to say is that the, the the secretion of mucus from mucosal cells is stimulated by prostaglandins, mm. okay? So whereas prostaglandins inhibited the production of hydrochloric acid from the parietal cells, mm. it stimulates the protective mucus coming out from the mucosal cells. Mm. So prostaglandins, as you should see, at the moment, are a huge part in the protect. They've got a huge protective role yeah. with the stomach, especially. I should almost call them prostaglandins because I'm glad they're there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, and as we and as we contort ourselves back from that very stretched, 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 you sort out my cough. Like asphyxiating over <laughs> this is this is not the right time to talk about a cough in the, mm, in the general, in the general thing. As um, I start to lose anyway. my sense of taste and smell. Um, so any other cells? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to hammer that home, prostaglandins—they're right. stopping the parietal cells 
and they're stimulating the mucosal cells. So right. they stop the attackers and boost the defenders. Defenders, that's yeah. right. Yep. And then the last one we should probably just mention are the chief cells. Oh, yes. Yeah, the absolute yeah. bosses. That's right. And they secrete, um, they're in the stomach. Yeah. And they're secreting um, pepsinogen. Mm. So pepsinogen is just a enzyme that kind of chops up proteins. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think that also damages your mucosa. Do a degree? Uh, I think so. A I little think so. bit. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but again, it's necessary because you need it in there yep. to like break up your food, yep. the proteins in your food after, yep. you know, when you're just smashing the bio right. protein. The gain train. Yeah. The gain train don't stop. You need that pepsinogen in your stomach. That's it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you want to think maybe like chief, like they're massive and like buff. Yeah, they've been hidden yeah. protein. Sure, so yeah. Pick them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're good. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> so once again, chief cells, pepsinogen, mm. protein, mm. mucosal cells, mm. muco, uh, pump out mucus, protect the <laughs> mucosa, it, that's it. prostaglandins help run them or stimulate their yeah. activity yeah. and parietal cells pariahs rejected by the community acidic people rejected by the community yeah. should be yeah. and they are inhibited by prostaglandins yeah and yeah. yeah 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 exactly so these are the three probably big players in the gi track you yeah. should probably um mention with regards to peptic ulcers because mm. like you know, these guys are always active and yep. it's this constant kind of equilibrium. Yeah, like equilibrium yeah, point between yeah. the attackers and the defenders. That's right. Such that we can digest our food without yep. perforate, you know, just making yep. massive holes in our GI yep. tract. Yeah. Um, but the problem arises, you get a peptic ulcer, you get gastritis, you know, irritation of that mucosa mm. when the balance is disrupted. Correct. And as we've mentioned, there are two big ways That's the balance right, can get disrupted. That's right. So, H. pylori yeah, oh and boy. incense. H. pylori. Oh boy, Barry Mark. <laughs> and Robert. We should have tried to get him on the show. Imagine. <laughs> I think he's in the midst of fighting a severe H. pylori. <laughs> Do you think he wants to no. sing gin and tonics no, with us no. on a Friday night? That's right. Um, okay, well. Okay, how do we want to do this? Maybe I do one, you do one. Yeah, I'll or, do incense. Okay, you do incense. Yeah. I'll do H pylori. Right. <clears throat> so, you've, how does a H pylori infection cause inflammation of your mucosa and eventually a great big ulcer? Mm. So, H pylori is this sneaky bacteria that's like hanging out in your gut, which is um pretty impressive given you know your gut's a acidic yeah, kind of yeah. environment. It's a war zone. Yeah, exactly. It is <laughs> Attackers and defenders. Stuff flying everywhere. That's right. um, but it's, you know, it's just chilling out. Um, but it's not exactly benign. In, mm-hmm. in fact, it's the opposite. And the reason is it produces this thing called a urease, this kind of substance molecule called the urease. Some sort of enzyme, isn't it? Enzyme. An there enzyme. we go. That clutch save there. there so the urease. And that kind of reacts with the stomach acid. Um well, okay, there are multiple ways this urease is problematic. Yep. So, one, and there are some things are hypotheses and some are more confirmed, mm. but uh, the one I learned was that it, it reacts with the stomach acid and it produces 
um, ammonia and CO2. Mm-hmm. So the ammonia is going to be like toxic to the cells yeah. and the CO2 that causes belching, which is like a fun, like little mechanism That's for right. why you can get like more burping with gastritis. Uh, good to know. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is, um, a lot of the, uh, infection and inflammation is concentrated in this part of the stomach yeah. called the antrum, mm. um, where, which is actually the part of the stomach right before the duodenum. Yeah. So yeah. just to yeah. recap, your stomach is the part of the GI tract that, which has most of the acid and yeah. all that, um, real, what's the word? Like dangerous you know, the thing, the war zone. That's the war zone. It's a mixer. It's the war zone. Whereas the duodenum is starting to like chill out more and just try and absorb. That's right. That's right. So that's why at the antrum of the stomach. So the part where the end of the stomach, when you're getting towards the duodenum, your priority is to like, stop the battleground leaking into the duodenum. That's well said. Yeah. Well said. So what you have to do is you have to, kind of stop all this acid getting into the duodenum. So how that normally works is we have these things called D cells, Mm. which um, produce somatostatin, which I mentioned earlier. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Because somatostatin, I think it prevent it. Oh, yeah. Somatostatin quiets down your parietal cells. Yeah, the acid production. So it stops acid production. So that makes sense, right? You want less acid production Mm. as you're getting towards the duodenum. But the thing is, the H. pylori infection loves the antrum right. and really messes up that part. Oh, so okay. it kills off heaps of D cells. Right, right. So you're not getting any more somatostatin. And D cells defense. Oh, mate. D cells defense. There oh. we go. There we go. Wow. Just on the fly, on fire tonight. <laughs> Me with that proster glad in. <laughs> yeah, equal contributions there. <laughs> equal contributions. I love it. I love it. <laughs> anyway, um, so. That, yeah, so the infection really causes inflammation in that area and will kill off a lot of the D cells. Now yep. you, we, talk, we talked about it's all a balancing act. Yep. Now you're in balance. you got less defense. Yeah. Um, and you're going to suck in that ulceration of the sure. GI tract. You know, you're going to get acid getting into the duodenum um, where it really shouldn't be that yep. the amount, those levels. Mm. Um, and, you know, um, and there's, there's a few other mechanisms as well. Yeah. But I think. That's enough in my head yeah. to be comfortable with yeah. why yeah. H. pylori yeah. is a bad thing. The main thing is that urease, I yeah. think, um, to think about. Yeah. No, that's so, brilliant. Yeah. That's really uh, good. Any other things to add or should we steam into what let's steam it, Let's steam into it. Let's right. steam into it. Um, because I'm, I, was, I was so shocked by the NSAIDs because I was like, you know, <sighs> I love a good ibuprofen. Absolutely. After, you know, in fact, I've out. taken two today. <laughs> I've taken two today. Um, Slow down. I know, I know. And now gin, gin and <laughs> um, No, look, so the NSAIDs, like you correctly said, Kevin, the NSAIDs, ibuprofen, mm. um, it's over the counter. Mm, you know, neurofin yes, and stuff exactly. like that. Um, and it is uh, quite widely prescribed from, mm. for a number of uh, different, different things. Mm. And, and you can often rationalize, is it actually necessary for someone in pain to be on so many different things. Mm. However, if you put yourself in the position of that patient yeah. that you'd see an ED, mm. sometimes more feels better, mm. you know, and yeah. sometimes and, and you will you will think of oh yeah, you have the risk of getting peptic ulcer disease mm. if you take ibuprofen, mm. but 
that's a risk. It may or may not happen. What you are dealing with right now is the back pain. Exactly. Is the pain. Yeah. So how do NSAIDs contribute uh, to peptic ulcer disease? So we mentioned prostaglandins. Mm. And prostaglandins, are, uh, you know, and there, there are different types of them, and PGE2 and I2 and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But prostaglandins are essentially produced um, from something called arachidonic acid. Or mm. arachidonic acid. Mm. I don't know how you say it, but there we go. Um, <laughs> arachidonic not, acid. Uh, my track record with pronunciation. No. So you have arachidonic acid, which is sort of like the godfather of this whole pathway. Wow, and okay. then you have a couple of enzymes here mm. called cyclooxygenase 1 yeah. and cyclooxygenase 2. Mm. Or if you're a teenage boy studying high school <laughs> science, COX-1 and COX-2. <laughs> The fact that I laughed at that reflects my level of maturity. And possible intoxication. <laughs> um, so COX-1 and COX-2 are really important in step-by-step step converting arachidonic acid to these prostaglandins. The prostaglandins. Prostaglandins, mm. that's right. We're still running with that. <laughs> um, and we're remembering the prostaglandins, as we spoke about before, they shut down the parietal cells or, or they limit, they inhibit the parietal yeah. cells. They're not shut it down. They inhibit the prior cells. It's not like Skepta shut down. No, it's not. Um, And they're they're limiting acid production. Mm -hmm. And they're uh, they're uh, they're, they're improving or they're increasing mucus production from the mucosal cells. Right? So they have overall a protective feature to them. Right? Where NSAIDs go, and, and, and like ibuprofen, they inhibit those two enzymes that we talked about, the mm. COX enzyme. Yeah. So as a result, this pathway from arachidonic acid all the way down to the prostaglandins mm. can't happen. Mm. So you've now got decrease in prostaglandin production, mm. right? So what that means now is that you don't have that pro-protective mm. mechanism or features that are conferred by prostaglandins happening. Exactly. Right? And this is going to result through multiple ways, <laughs> erosion of the gastric mucosa, mm. and it's also going to result in decrease in mucosal blood flow yes. as well. Oh, yeah. yeah and another thing that decreased prostaglandins production is associated with, or because you have less of this, is you mentioned that because it is a battleground, mm. you know, that you have that constant turnover yes. of cells, mm. of the mucosa. They're very fast dividing yeah. cells. Having less prostaglandins or decreased prostaglandin production can be associated with an inhibition of mucosal cell proliferation. Oh, so whatever that lining that's getting damaged, we're mm. not getting new cells proliferating from the base upwards. There aren't new defenders coming in. Correct. Yeah, Correct. No they're just getting fatigued yeah. and then they're falling down <laughs> and then the battleground is just an absolute. It turns yeah. into a symmetry. Yeah. Essentially. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So once again, prostaglandins are produced through this pathway from arachidonic acid. COX-1 and 2 are really important as part of that. NSAIDs like ibuprofen go and inhibit those enzymes. You're going to have less prostaglandins. You're going to have less of those protective features Mm. that we've talked about. And we'll just, it might be worth just mentioning while we're here. So the reason NSAIDs stop pain, the reason Mm. ibuprofen stops pain is because prostaglandins, while in the stomach have that protective effect, they have a whole different range of effects in different parts of the body and they're a well-known mediator of pain Correct. so Correct. um by inhibiting that pathway like right. duane elucidated yeah you're yeah. stopping basically the pain part correct correct um which is why there's such an effective yeah yeah, anti-inflam- yeah. can be good for temperature bring temperatures down as well i think don't prostaglandin yeah so they've got um, it's oh, a bit loose oh, aspirin i don't know i think yeah, aspirin yeah but you can sometimes give ibuprofen for 
Oh, the so fevers as well. Because it's that whole thing where it's... So we've talked about it as an analgesic. Correct. But correct. then there's also the anti-inflammatory correct. effect. yeah. Which I think also applies to ibuprofen. Yes. And yes, then the anti-pyretic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> there are moments in every show where Kevin and I, we don't go off the same page, but I think we're reading at different speeds. And I just nod, I, as the elder statesman here, I just nod supportingly and wait for him to catch up to my seven years senior on him. But no, you're totally right. So, mm. so the takeaway messages from that is NSAIDs, widely prescribed, mm. can have you know, damaging effect. And we've talked about how it can have a damaging effect and mm. why they're actually prescribed, yeah. which is usually to alleviate pain. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's keep going. I think that was good. Mm. I'm actually happy with that for once. So <laughs> for once, <laughs> yet another statement that speaks to is <laughs> the crumbling nature. All right. Let's do a clinical picture because right. we're in our clinical year. Right. Yes. Let's say, what does a peptic ulcer look like in terms of a patient sitting in front of you, do you have yeah. any, any um, thoughts? Look, my computer is just broken. Oh, um, no so worries. It's frozen, so maybe maybe you want to take okay. us away whilst I call my uncle no. at the call center <laughs> to try and help me out with this. Um, yeah, so I think the classic is um, you've got that burning epigastric mm, pain. Gnawing. Like, yeah. Gnawing yeah, pain. Yeah, and aching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it makes sense because um, – You've got a ulcer in your <laughs> and it's eating away. Isn't it? That essence eating away at your. That is a terrible yeah. one. Um, yeah, and so that's like the main, yes. I guess, feature. But you can obviously have signs of yeah. inter. What do you call it? Intra GI bleeding. Yeah, yeah. So it can it, since your stomach is towards the upper end of your GI correct, tract, it'll correct. probably come up the front. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah, have. Yeah. A hematemesis, which is mm. just like vomiting up mm. blood, which is concerning. But it can yeah. also come out the other end. Yeah. So you can have what's called melina, which oh, is yeah. um, black poos. Yeah. Which is basically blood that's been. Does it get like oxidized? Oxidized. Yeah, I feel it's I oxidized. Think that's what yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. says. I've never yeah. quite looked it up myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, signs of internal bleeding. Yeah. Um. Those are the main two, I'd say, and yeah. the other one is that. The pain's relieved by antacids, mm. which makes sense because, mm. as we've talked about, That's the right. acid is mainly what's doing all the damage. So, Correct. if you're Correct. ingesting antacids, that kind of temporarily would deal with the issue. Yeah. Um, so, how would you clinically differentiate between a gastric and a duodenal ulcer? Wow. Well, and this is this is one actually when when the great Dr. Shabs mm. um, was talking to us, is that there was a bit of conjecture about this. Yeah. There was a bit of confusion about this. And essentially what we want to talk about is that gastric ulcers, they are made worse by eating. Would that be right? Oh, God. I thought, I thought we just thought our computer had crashed. <laughs> they are made worse by eating. We're still in take three. That's Wait, right. What were you saying? It's like so stressed. <laughs> so I think gastric ulcers, yeah. the pain gets worse yeah. associated with eating. Yes. Whereas duodenal ulcers, the pain is alleviated. Yeah. Taken away. That makes sense. Eating. Yeah. Because with a gastric ulcer, if you eat, you're, when you eat through some physiological pathway that 
I can't remember from yeah. first year. Yeah. And that stimulates your stomach to be like, let's go, food's coming, yeah. need acid to break yeah. it down. Yeah. So that would obviously exacerbate the problem. Fair. Because now your stomach's filling up Fair. with acid even more. Fair. Fair. Um, so that makes sense for the gastric ulcer. But if you have a duodenal ulcer, the ulcer's actually just beyond the stomach. Mm. So the mm. idea is if you're not eating – if you've got an empty stomach, yeah. you've got nothing soaking up the acid that's sitting in your stomach Correct. at the moment. Correct. So the, the acid's like not being occupied. So it has like a greater chance of like mm. flowing forward into your yeah. duodenum. Yeah. Um, but if you mop it up with food, that could kind of stop it leaking yeah. forward for yeah. a while. Um, right. So that is a nice way to differentiate. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, so gastric ulcer pain immediately after eating, yep. whereas duodenal ulcer takes a couple of hours. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What do we do next? Um, should we should we maybe go into now how do we – I think we've set the table. Yeah. I think it's time <laughs> to lay out some cutlery, All right. uh, you know, and some crockery. Yeah. So maybe let's talk about the diagnostics. Mm, the diagnostics. Right, right, right. Um, with this. And um, we were actually discussing this before is that <laughs> – I think we live in a time now where we love to order tests. Mm. You know, there's a test for everything. But mm. in reading about and learning about peptic ulcers, mm. there's some simple non-invasive stuff mm. that you can do, I feel, right from right from mm. the get-go. Mm. Um, and and I think one, one good thing is that you take a good history. It's and always I think the history. The history, mm. you know. And, and um, I always say, you know, um, yesterday – is history, mm. you know, tomorrow is a mystery, you know, uh, today is a gift, mm. and that's why we call it the present. Oh, that's kind of that's nice. it. That's yeah. it. I just wanted to work that in. Um, mm. but you take a good history, and then suddenly you start seeing, oh, hold up, chronic pain of some sort. Mm. Ah, they're on NSAIDs, and you remember, hold on, you've listened mm. to Meeting Medicine episode 10 <laughs> on a very lonely Friday, Saturday night, and you say to yourself, hold up. Hold up. Whilst ibuprofen takes away my pain, it also gives me, you know, this gnawing sensation that these two blokes were onto something. So the history is really important. It is. And the history can often, uh, you know, give up the fact that they've been on incense for a yeah, long time. Yeah, which is one of the two main players. One of the two so main players. Just out of the bat, off the bat. That's right. Out of the bat. Out, I meant off the bat. Right. Okay. Yes. Are you familiar with that saying? Off out the of the bat? bat? No. No, I don't think anyone I is. Think it's out of the box. What? It's out of the box. Out of the box. It's out, yeah, of, the out of the box and off like, the bat. Yes, I yeah. combine them. There we go. Out of the bat, out of the bat, <laughs> and, and off the box. That's it. Okay. Well, let's say what's I another? Took, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. took a history. Yeah. They don't really. They're not really taking ibuprofen. Right. I've no reason right. to think that they would yeah. be. Yeah. Um. The next. So at this point, I'm probably thinking. Okay. If I want to rule out peptic ulcer, I've got to make sure they don't have a H. pylori infection. Shout out to Barry Marshall. Barry and Robin. Yeah, Barry. (laughs) Surely we get Robin on the show. Just to add some validity to his role in this. Um, Yeah, so I want to check if they have a H. pylori infection. Now, you know, back when Barry was doing Mm. God's work, Mm, mm, um, mm. it was really difficult. Yeah. To prove that there yeah. was anything sitting there. Sure. Um, you can't really find it, I think, on no, it's, whatever it's the hard. normal it's methods hard. are. Hard. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't done Difficult. the pathology modules, so yeah. I don't really know how they find it. I don't it. know either. <laughs> but the point is, 
you wouldn't really find it in a normal method. Yeah. But luckily they've come up with this thing called a urea breath test. Mm. And like we talked about before, when we we're talking about the pathophys of H. pylori, yep. it produces that urease. Correct. And they've got this really clever, easy test, mm. a rapid diagnostic test. Yes where um, it just banks on the idea that H. pylori produces this urease. Yeah. The urease is a double-edged sword for H. pylori. It's using it to do all the damage, but it's also giving it away. That's right. So what happens is um, you you basically just exhale Mm. into, I don't know, they take the sample of your exhaling and see if there's urea. So essentially they give you this drink, mm. this sort oh, of radioactive label drink, okay. and you drink it. Yeah. And then obviously one of the things you mentioned is that not only does the urea, by the urea, it converts urea to ammonia. Yes. But it also converts it to carbon dioxide. Yeah. Oh, and the belching. Yeah? Correct. Mm, so yeah. where you're getting this carbon dioxide is that it's now going to almost be like radioactively labeled carbon dioxide. Yes. And then they use ways to detect that. So yeah. obviously if you're producing ridiculous amounts of carbon dioxide not proportional to what yes. you would normally produce yeah. then i think that is almost a sign that and, and, it ha- and it's very time specific mm. so it has to happen about 20 to 30 minutes after you took mm. the actual drink otherwise you could say there's other reasons that you you're yeah. producing so much carbon dioxide so you take this drink just watch some home in a way oh what a show <laughs> what a show well you couldn't because thursday night's a triple episode oh that's no, that's 90 minutes alf stewart there's chaos <laughs> in the bay ari's been hit by a car and he's now recovered from three chest infections um so yeah you you drink something radioactive drink mm. 20 30 minutes later you're going to start belching all this carbon dioxide normally mm. it's going to be radioactively labeled bada boom bada bang Urease is sold uncle, out. Yeah. Has sold out. Barry's your uncle. <laughs> Barry's uh, your uncle. <laughs> you've sold out. You've sold it out. So, and once again, mm. very simple test, quite good specific sensitivity wise, yeah. but non invasive. And I yeah. think that's a great thing. Um, so, that's like the standard approach. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are a few other um, things you can do, especially if the patient's older than I think 60. Yeah. And if there's like red flags for if you think it might develop Uh, because H. pylori is also a big risk factor for uh, gastric cancer down the track and I think if you're older maybe that's a you know or if you have a history yeah your family and stuff stuff like that they might be like okay we're going to treat you but we also want to get a piece of that to have a look at it to see if there's you know any odd looking cells or like any chance of cancer and if they want to get a piece of that they're going to have to take a biopsy yes yes unfortunately it's not in a convenient place for a biopsy no so they need a tool and i don't want to say the name of the procedure go on no. no. <laughs> no. Essentially, let's it. just say they do a scope. They do yeah, a, a gastroscope. There's down. a scope. And, and the beautiful thing with scopes is that not only can you visualize an organ, or in this case, the mucosa, yeah. but you can also uh, uh, take a biopsy there as well. Yes. Es- esophago gastro duodenoscopy. And it does exactly what it says that's right it has a look <laughs> most words. it has a look it passes through the esophagus so it can it can it can visualize the esophagus yeah. as well um it can have a look at the stomach it can have a look at that first part of the intestine when in rome well, just have a look that's not the same i yes um barry um and, and yeah so very good for visualization and for biopsy sampling mm. as well 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then they'll just go in and grab a bit of the mucosa. Correct. Check it out. Um, so treatment, that's yeah, always important. Yeah, that's yeah. always good. That's always good. So what's the go? I mean, okay, NSAIDs, let's just get that out of the way. Let's stop it. <laughs> stop, stop the NSAIDs. Stop the NSAIDs. Um, you know, so, but that's easier said than done sometimes. Of course it is. Yeah, so I think I think with that, and, and, and to speak clinically, is that polypharmacy is mm. a real thing. Mm. We've talked about it already, mm. I think. But in a patient's mind, if something has been working, some pain regimen has been working, mm. it's similar for nausea as well, it's a fair bit of convincing mm. that you have to do to take that medication away from that patient. Mm. And the thing is you have to make a strong case for it, yeah. but also you have to find something that is satisfactory to the patient's yeah. um, view of that pain. Yeah. You know, Because for some patients, they will say, I will take the pain needs to go. That's the yeah, main thing. My back pain needs to go. It's yeah. hugely debilitating. I can't do work and all yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff. You know, so you have to, it is easier said than done. Mm. You're totally right. But the first part of treatment, once again, is focusing on non-pharmacological stuff. Yeah. It is management of your risk factors. Yeah. So if they're on NSAIDs, you want to avoid NSAIDs. Mm. If they've got behaviors like a lot of excessive cal- uh, alcohol intake, caffeine intake, diets a little bit off, yeah. uh, smoking, yeah. A high stress lifestyle, mm. which I think I mean people like have less stress. Well, how yeah. how is that possible? Mm. So it is just talking about that holistic uh, thing rather than jumping straight to yeah. pharmacological stuff. So 100%. management, non pharmacological ma- pharmacological management of risk factors. And I will just say we haven't talked about it as a major cause, but stress ulcers definitely yeah. are real. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. absolutely. Probably could have another whole episode on that. Definitely. But Definitely. Yeah, we're not trying to say mm. they're not a thing. We're no. just talking about the two main like Correct. medical ones. We Correct. Can discuss. Correct. Correct. Um, so if they do the breath test and they do have a H. pylori infection, yes. yes. Look, it's a bacterial infection. What yeah. do you do with a bacterial infection? Antibiotics. Antibiotics. So what are we doing, Dwayne? Yeah, so it's actually called a triple therapy. Okay. Right, so you give it two antibiotics. So you yeah. give amoxicillin and yeah. you give clarithromycin. Yeah. Um, and you also give a proton pump inhibitor, like a meprazole. Yeah. yeah. Yeah? So essentially when you think proton pump inhibitor, you think acid. H plus is a proton. Yeah. You're trying to block... Inhibit those pumps that are going to pump the proton in there. Yeah, okay. So you're going to hopefully reduce your acid. So that's not for the H. pylori. That's no. more just to like stop the ulcer. Just chill out that war zone. Yeah, yeah. Chill out that war zone. Give the defenders some help. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So you're going after the H. pylori with those two antibiotics. Yeah. And then proton pump inhibitors, which are going to form a mainstay. Yeah. Regardless of what your cause is, I think, for the for the, uh, the peptic right. disease. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, you're going to have that pattern there as well. Yeah. Um, and once once you've sort of cleared that infection, because you don't want to be on terminal antibiotics mm. um, with resistance and then their own side effects that they bring, yeah. it is not uncommon then to continue a course of proton pump inhibitors okay. um, for an extended period of time, about four to eight weeks after you've got appropriate resolution of your symptoms, yeah. but also you're starting to see maybe some recovery okay. in the mucosal wall as well. Okay. Yeah, so the triple therapy for H. pylori positive, amoxicillin, clarithromycin, along with a proton pump inhibitor, yep. most often a miprazole. Cool. And what about if you don't have it? What about if you don't have H. pylori, <laughs> Kevin? You're not going to just pop me. Wait, this is, what? Yeah, like what, what do you do? What do you do if, if your urease breath test, your rear breath test was negative? What, what would be your well, trial? Oh, God. What would you do? Are you, and are you saying without a history of NSAIDs or with a history of NSAIDs? Well, let's say you've taken off their NSAIDs because they had some NSAIDs there. 
right? Do you think NSAIDs are the cause? Well, I don't know, mate. You tell me. You're a doctor guy. <laughs> oh, what would you do? Because you, yeah. you're not going to give them. You're not going to give them antibiotics now. Yeah, well, yeah. they don't have. I mean, well, the idea is you've got to juice up their defence, right? Correct. Um, so still give the PPI. Perfect. Um, if they're on NSAIDs, yeah. that's helping the attackers. So Correct. get rid of that. Correct. Um, like you said, or yeah. cessation of all those things that are probably terrible diet, right. smoking. Um, right. Not cessation of diet, but amelioration <laughs> yeah. of diet. <laughs> Get them off the onions. Correct. I feel like I'm at a massive risk of a pet. You're at a massive risk for most things. <laughs> you're at a massive risk for most things. So. But um, you're totally right. You're totally right. So just to, just to reconfirm, mm. or just to go over that again, taking that history is really important. Yeah taking those NSAIDs off and replacing appropriately, mm. um, working out really rationalizing why they're on that. And sometimes it could be changing doses mm. as well. Looking at risk factors, alcohol, stress, diet. Yeah. Um, and then if it's an H. pylori positive, hitting it with that triple therapy, yeah. which is a proton pump inhibitor yeah. and a couple of antibiotics, amoxicillin, clarithromycin, mm. and you continue with a proton pump inhibitor for a little bit longer. And it's probably just worth chucking in a mention if you do do that further investigation with the scopy mm, um mm. and take the biopsy and you yep. do find like evidence of malignancy yeah um then you begin that whole course of treatment for yes. like cancer yes. and you might consider a surgical treatment Correct. intervention Correct. Correct. um but that's a whole another conversation that's right. really that's right. that's um right. i think we've done it i think Is we have episode 10 i think we have uh, that's that's brilliant we've that's made brilliant. it only yeah. three interruptions <laughs> yeah, that's right it's three party episode <laughs> This is more entertaining than the, the bloody Megan Markle uh, interview. <laughs> we didn't even have Oprah here. Probably were you even. silent or were you silenced? You know? Thank you, Oprah. Mm. Thank you, Oprah. Mm. So, yeah, mate, as we come to episode 10, just, yeah. a, just a minute of reflection. I know we said we don't want to promise more, but I, at this present <laughs> moment, I'm feeling it. We'll I see you like. in June. <laughs> we'll see you in June. <laughs> At the end of our surgical term and mm, eating term. Mm. But no, well, how do you think you've gone? I mean, it's been, well, the better part of six months, almost a year, uh, half a year mm. since you made that call at 1.30 a.m. in the morning Perth time <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> and about 6.30, 6.41 in the morning New Zealand time. The genesis know? of the podcast. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah, I think it's been really good jumping into the hospitals. Yeah. Um, definitely a different style of learning. Definitely. I think you definitely... It becomes what you make of it. Amen. You really need to be quite a I think Miley Cyrus had a song, Life's What You Make It, so make, let's make oh, it right. 100% queen. Amen. Absolute queen. Amen. Um, wrecking ball. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have to go on that, come into that water hey, like a wrecking ball. It's the climb, brother. Yeah. It's the climb. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure. Maybe we'll do another episode sometime soon with just some good, like, Maybe stories from yeah, the clinical yeah, experiences that's right, that that's right. added to our learning. That'd be brilliant. That'd be that brilliant. actually is a good idea. I think that is. Maybe that we'll is. do that. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure I, Shabs would love that. Oh, she'd love that. She'd <laughs> love that. Um, no, for me, for me, it's just been a great journey. Yeah. You know, I never ever thought I would be, uh, you know, on a podcast. Mm. Um, and uh, it's just been a touching, touching period. And I think <laughs> no, I mean, all, all, all joking aside, I think medicine is a very collaborative oh. thing. Uh, and, and not only we, we get taught about this, you know, teamwork and all that stuff, but it's not just when you're in the hospital, but it is also when you're actually doing the grind and study. Mm. Um, and I think we are very lucky to, I am very lucky, I feel, to to have your friendship and brotherhood, oh. but also the yeah. fact that we're in Ballarat together yes. as well, you know, and, and I think surrounded by very 
supportive clinical school and oh. and, and uh, good mentors and colleagues yeah, as 100%. well. So I'm looking forward to the next 10. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the oh. next 10. Not listeners, episodes, because <laughs> I know 10 would be too ambitious. <laughs> that is an ambitious time. That's far too much. But I think, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe for our four listeners, mm. um, if they have a moment, <laughs> if they want to send us in some questions. Yeah. Because oh. I think maybe next one we will, we will do maybe not a pathology, but mm. more of a reflective, you know, vibey yeah. sort of thing, a short, sharp thing, for which for us will be, what, three hours. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, and I think that would be cool just to, yeah. just, to, just to look back to look forward. Yeah. I think we've got to stop. This year is going very fast, I feel. Mm. And just to look back to look forward to appreciate what we're sort of building in ourselves as individuals as a partnership as a as, as a cohort and then as future doctors mm. as well so yeah wow there we go what a lovely touching. ending to the podcast touching i have annoying pain in my stomach <laughs> that i feel will, will be taken away by some zinger burgers yeah KFC. i think it's where due for kfc run that's right so let's call it a day that's right all right thank you very much if you've suffered to the end of this podcast that's right um, and get off the incense get off the incense get off the incense I, I don't know if that should be our message no no <laughs> get get on the appropriate dosage of incense and if as you, you know Kevin has many talents but future t-shirt inscriber will never be one of, one of those alright alright let's call it alright alright thanks very much <laughs>